it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon and a not so quiet week. Um, things have been semi shut down and starting to open up. I enjoyed coming into the office this week. But uh, then there's also been a lot of not so quiet on Facebook and other places and news about should we open up or should we not open up and how much should we open up and uh, businesses and, and government and public health people discussing and arguing and even within the church, there's been a lot of uh, discussion um, and between, between Christians about what we should do and, and when is the church going to reopen. Um, I'm going to suggest to you that that might not be the best question. Um, but it's good to ask questions. Um, it seems like there's been a lot of statements and um, not as many questions. So asking a question is a very important thing. Now, it depends upon which kind of question you ask. Um, I think somebody asked Governor Walls a question about, since you're out of shape and everything, why do you care about uh, gyms opening up? Now, that's not really a good question. But there's some of those kinds of questions out there. We need to also wonder if we could ask a better question. And who would we ask the question to? That is really important. So I want us to turn to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. And maybe it'll answer some of our questions. Um, and maybe not. So let's, let's go to Scripture. Let's pray first. Lord, we welcome you here in this moment. As we're together, as those watching this video are in your presence, be with us, speak your word to us, calm our hearts, renew our minds, our spirits, and our focus on you in this time. Speak to us, Jesus. Amen. So, in the last, uh, at Easter time, we talked about Jesus' resurrection. In uh, Luke, and we, at the end of Luke, we looked at the appearance of Jesus, and we, we saw what happened. And then we talked about that in-between time, and the Jesus being available in a different way than he had been before. And now, it is 10 days before Pentecost Sunday. Well, as I'm recording this, it is. Um, this is 10 days before Pentecost Sunday. And 10 days before Pentecost Sunday is when the ascension happened. Now, that's a big word. What does ascension mean? Well, let's read um, in Acts 1. Luke says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So all that in the gospel was what Jesus began to teach. But here he says what Jesus is going to continue to do in his people, in his church, and his apostles. And so we want to be aware of what Jesus is doing and continuing to do and teach. So he says, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the sent ones he had chosen. Apostles, that means sent ones. After his suffering, yeah, they had a hard time with the suffering part, but after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about his main topic, always the kingdom of God, which is why our theme this year is the just king. He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Now, why would they want to leave Jerusalem? You know, most of us think Jerusalem, we've been taught like Jerusalem is a comfortable place and we, it's where you are home and they were not home. 
In fact, later the angel comes to them and says, men of Galilee. Oh, they were men of Galilee. They were not home. In fact, Jesus had said, we have to go to Jerusalem. And they said, we don't want to go to Jerusalem. That's dangerous. And he said, a prophet can't die outside Jerusalem. He knew he was going to suffer and die. And he went toward the suffering and death. Paul, later in this book of Acts, goes toward Jerusalem, even though he's warned that there's going to be suffering and imprisonment and other things. He says, that's what God's called me. He goes toward Jerusalem and he's thrown in jail there. And so Jerusalem in Luke and Acts is a place of suffering. It's a place where, yes, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be present. God is supposed to be present in the temple. That was kind of the idea. But do not leave Jerusalem. Remember, they were hiding in a room in Jerusalem because they were afraid of the persecution and what might happen. So he says, don't leave the place where there might be suffering, there might be difficulty, but wait. That's not easy to do when there might be suffering. But wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow. They're like baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the thing that used to come on, like the prophets or, or the judges, and, and they do amazing things. So bring justice like the judges would. The kings, you're going to be baptized, he said, with the Holy Spirit to enable you to do things, to speak things. Okay, so when they hear about the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to free Israel and give us our kingdom back? Are you going to give us control again? And that is what they were wanting to know. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? We have some questions like that. Are, are we going to open the church? Um, are we going to... And Jesus responds... He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He kind of sidesteps the question. He says, you know, that's not the main question. And let me tell you something. This question that we've had a lot of heat about, how and when should we open the church? I think it's the wrong question. Because I don't think the church ever closed. Now, we closed our building for safety and lack of spreading germs and viruses. Closing a building is not really the issue. In fact, I think it released the church. Um, so we're not talking about reopening the church. We, we're talking about when and how could we most safely reopen the building. We'll get to that. In fact, we're having a meeting as soon as I finish this uh, camera with the elders and the staff. We're going to talk about what kind of timeline and when we're going to do that and how we fit in with what's happening with the health world and the government and other things. And the truth is, that is not the big question. The question is the next one. He says, but, okay, that's fine. Think about that question, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You are going to tell people about me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so everywhere they are going to be his witnesses. That is a good question. How can we receive the Holy Spirit? How can we be witnesses? And so a better question is not when are we going to reopen the building, but 
How are we going to be the church? How are we going to release the church? How are we going to be witnesses to our neighbors and all over the world? The truth is all over the world, the church is in this situation with everybody else and different places are different, but all of us need to ask, how are we going to be witnesses? How are we going to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And, and I, here's the other thing. I think the most important thing is to ask the question to the right person. So now we want to ask God. So you remember Job? In the book of Job, there was a lot of statements. Um, Job's friends were so kind as to say things like, your children must have sinned. That's why the 10 of them died. Um, and uh, there was a lot of statements, theology statements and so forth. Job asked a lot of questions. And the good thing about Job, well, he asked this question, why am I suffering? God never answered it. Um, but you see, we can ask questions. The good thing about Job, though, was he asked questions of God. And we need to ask questions of God, even when he doesn't answer us. It's good to ask questions of God. Although then God did answer him. He answered him, he said, this is who I am, Job. I have it in control. I know more than you. I, I can't even explain it all to you. And Job repented in dust and ashes because he realized I didn't even have a clue. His suffering hadn't changed at that point, but he understood who God was. The disciples in uh, Mark chapter 4, they ask a, an interesting question. In Mark 4, they, they, they say this, they say, they're in a boat. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And they, they say, um, other boats come with them. And a furious squall comes up and the waves break over the boat. They were paddling. I don't think they had one of these. Uh, so that was the problem. They were looking for a lifesaver. They were, they were paddling. They're saying, we're going to, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And they're saying, finally, they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? That was a good question, sort of. At least they directed it to the right person. And their question was honest. I want to ask you, what are your questions right now? What questions do you want to ask God right now? I would encourage you to pause the video, ask that question, and ask God your questions. Ask each other, what do you want to ask God? And then ask God, these are my questions. Now, as we come back, I want you to see what Jesus did. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Was this just nature? Was there, since it was a furious squall, was there some kind of demonic force behind it that he rebuked it? Doesn't matter. He was in charge. And he said, quiet, be still. I want... I hope he can say that to your heart and to all that's around us. He can stop COVID now. Now, he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? That's a good question for us. Why are we so afraid? Because the truth is, God's in charge of the economy and provision. He's in charge of protection and our health. He's in charge of our life. He's the resurrection God. He has control. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you not trust me that I can handle this? 
They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now that's a great question. Who is Jesus? Now they were asking a really good question. Who is Jesus? Ask yourself that. Read the scripture. Who is God? That's what God said to Job. Here's who I am. Now, when you see who Jesus is, when you see who God is, then you start to fear God. And you, they were more terrified than they'd been of the storm because they realized, wow, he is in charge of even wind and waves and healing and life and everything. Provision. Who is Jesus? Ask him that. Ask the Holy Spirit that. Who is Jesus? He would love to show you who he is. So back to Acts. After he said this, after Jesus said that he was going to, they were going to be witnesses, receive power in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before him, before them. They said, men of Galilee, like we said, they weren't from there. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way he is, you have seen him go into heaven. So we said, Jesus went through the door. He went to heaven. And what he did there was he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he took authority that he had bought with his blood. So Jesus is not gone. He's in heaven in a different dimension that's in contact with ours, and he's in charge. And then he sent back through the door the Holy Spirit. That happened a little bit later. So what did they do in the meantime? They spent the 10 days constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer. I would encourage you in these next 10 days, Coming up to Pentecost, would you spend some time constantly in prayer? It doesn't have to be together, together. It can be on Zoom. It can be on your own as we pray together. But I want to encourage you to ask God for the things you want and ask him, who is Jesus? Who are you? And what do you want in this time? Um, and then, so... We here talk about radiating life and joy like a flower blooming in the desert to all nations. At Bethel Christian Fellowship, we are all nations radiating Jesus' life and joy. And they were to be sent all over the world. And now it's true. Everywhere, all over the world, Jesus' followers are witnesses and being witnesses by his power. And then let's see what happened in chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages as the Spirit enabled them. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this, Sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. 
Did you know God can speak your language? Every language? He doesn't, happen, he doesn't actually speak English. Did you know that? Um, not even Greek or Hebrew. Um, he can speak every language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Again, they're just those Galilean hicks. But how is they speak to each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. There's always going to be people, people who are, even when the most amazing things happen, are going to say, yeah, it's just too much wine. It's just silliness. It's just those Christians again. It's okay. But here is the thing. God said he was going to send people everywhere. They were going to be witnesses. And already people from the Parthian Empire, from the Roman Empire, from Africa and Asia and Europe were here hearing in their language. It's the reverse of Babel. And you know what? God's given us a glimpse of that even here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, even in the eight congregations of the All Nations family of churches, as we're able to be together, praise God together, worship together. And we have missionaries and, and people living everywhere around the world on all, all continents who are also being witnesses to this great Jesus that holds us together. <clears throat> so um, that is the exciting thing. We, we really enjoy being here. And I, I must say, I I have been very appreciative of the way that you have been loving each other in this time and being witnesses. The, the, uh, the offering that you gave, over $13,000 for the needs of people in the other congregations, um, those who've lost jobs or have other needs. And, and the All Nations Family Churches is carefully using that for key needs. And other people have been um, making masks. This one came from the uh, Perry's. Um, and Jeannie made, made, made me this one. Julie Thompson's been making masks and, and Couture has been making masks and, and, and people have been praying and Josie's been making masks and they've been handing them out. Couture has got a plan. She decided, you know, I think God wants me to make masks for all the kids in the other, at least a couple of the other churches. So that, that would be a hundred masks. She said, well, I can make 15. She made a hundred in a couple of weeks and she's planning to go hand them out and show people how to use them. You are being witnesses. You are answering the other really important question. Who is Jesus? How can I love him? Another really important question is how can I love my neighbor as myself? Arthur Brooks at the National, at the, uh, National Prayer Breakfast said, this is an important question. We, we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he said, you know, Democrats, Republicans, whatever side you're on or whatever's going on, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said part of that is talking about them as if they're really knowledgeable, good people who are trying to do their best. And you know, it's easy for us to not talk about each other that way. People who disagree with us on whatever it is, we can easily talk about those people, those whatever, political or age or language or country. We can easily demean people just the way we talk about them. But you know what? We don't have to. We can love our neighbors in the ways we talk about them. You know, some churches are opening up right now. And I I understand the reasons that they're doing that. 
they, you know, especially Catholic and, and Lutheran churches, the, the sacraments are important and they want to be together. I, I get that. I want to talk bad about them. Governor Walls is trying to keep us safe and keep people from spreading this virus. And I, I understand that. He's got good reasons to do that. And there are other churches who are following that and, and following those orders to not meet in groups of 10. But let's talk about each other in a good way. You know, I read a, a great article this week that said, let's not let this tear the church apart. Let's be witnesses, even in the way we do. And it said, let's have spirit-filled, let's have countercultural sacrifice, because it's normal for us to sacrifice for each other. Let's have countercultural humility, because the truth is, for all of our statements, we don't know. Even the experts don't know. We can be humble because God alone knows where it's happening, what's really going to happen, where it's going to end. We can have countercultural perseverance. We say in Tanzania, the one who perseveres eats the right thing. And it says in Romans 5 that if we persevere, that suffering produces perseverance, produces character, which produces hope. We have hope because it doesn't disappoint, it says, because Jesus is doing things in us. And he said, let's have countercultural nuance to say, you know, there's some things we know, there's some things we don't know. Some of us are thinking this way, some of us are thinking that way. And if any of us knew exactly what was going to happen and when there was going to be a vaccine, then we'd know exactly what the answer might be. But none of us knows that. So we have to say, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. Let's turn the dials this way or that way. We'll do our best. But the thing we really need is the Holy Spirit to anoint us to be witnesses, to be the church, to be released as a church, you know, it's been kind of amazing. We shut the doors to this church and we felt bad about it because of all the people who use this church all the time, the church building, that is. We closed the building. And for example, the AA group, which um, meets here every Thursday, we felt bad because we know that people really support each other in that group. You know what happened? They went someplace else for a little bit and then it was raining. They said, could we come up under your awning? They did that. And now actually every lunchtime, not just Thursdays, every lunchtime, there's a group, groups of 10 spaced out across our whole lawn, about 40 people almost every lunch, supporting each other. You know, God has found other ways to do things. And there's small groups in our church that are meeting together and they're meeting on Zoom and they're doing, and, and they're saying, well, you know, we feel more supported than before. We've been able to call people as uh, pastors. And, and I know a lot of other people are calling people and encouraging people and helping people. And, and I've just been amazed at the things that have happened. We, we got together as ministry coordinators this uh, Tuesday on Zoom, and we talked about things. We, we, we even looked at the finances and we said, people have been really generous in April, even when they didn't know how to give. And you have been amazing in the way that you've blessed the All Nations Family of Churches and the way that you've done other things. I have just been amazed. You know, here's what um, Ephesians 4 says about how we can work with each other. As a prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, in fact, let me back up, to him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. He talks about the love that surpasses knowledge just before that. Then he goes on and says, the prisoner of the Lord Therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And so each of us has grace, has gifts that we can share with each other. Each of us has needs. I want to also commend you who are just getting by. Those of you who are welcoming others to meet your needs, who are calling somebody and say, hey, can you pray for me? Some of you who are just living alone and, and just trying to keep your mental health, or some of you are living with all your kids and trying to keep your mental health. <laughs> some of you are just parenting six kids and homeschooling. We know you. We see you. You're also trying to work at home at the same time. And so we understand that this is a challenging time, that you can be a witness just by hanging on to your sanity as you hang on to Jesus in this time. So whatever God enables you to do, will you ask him? Ask God a question. Instead of making a statement, ask a question. Ask a better question. Like, how can we be the church? And ask your question of God. And then listen. Listen. What is he going to say to you? And then I'd encourage you, obey. If he says, sleep through the night, I've got it. <laughs> if he says, make a mask. If he says, a number of you gave your stimulus checks to Tanzania, to uh, other, other brothers and sisters. And I, I know people have been giving and doing things that have been amazing. And I just want to commend you for being the church. Some of you are loving your husbands who are really annoying. And some of you are loving your wives who, well, we won't go there. But um, we appreciate what you're doing. You're loving your kids. And some of you kids are obeying your parents even when they're in your face all day long and you can't go to school. Some of you are just doing your homework even when you can't see your friends. And you know, I appreciate how you're being witnesses, how you're persevering in this time. The one who perseveres eats the right thing. We will have good fruit. You know, I said early that we want to be together. So um, let's just close in prayer. I want you to ask, what is God saying to you? Ask Jesus what he wants you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to be in you and then obey what he says. Who is Jesus? How do I love my neighbor? Lord, we thank you for being with us. We pray that you would bless your people in this time. We pray that you'd help us to be witnesses of you, your love, your grace, your hope in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.